Hi everyone, it's Dr. Denise. This is the Dr. Denise Show. And you know, I actually just realized this before I connected with our guest today, which I'm going to announce in a minute. I'm really doing like a reset of my why. And I've done 111 shows this year. I want to thank all of you for tuning in all across the world. I want to thank you as mental health warriors, helping to change the way we think, talk, and act about mental health. I also was very humbled. This is actually my first show I'm doing with a guest um, after I found out that I have some news, which I'm going to share with her. And I, I, I have to tell you, you know, I talk about mindful awareness on all my different shows and I just realized what a gift it is today. I didn't even plan this. And this is pay attention, guys. Sometimes there's this no coincidences that happens. Um, it's a real honor because the whole reason why I started the Dr. Denise show was for this reason of new talks and new ideas. And I have today with me again, I have Dr. Joyce Spurgeon here today. And Dr. Joyce is a psychiatrist. She's a mother, and she's been on two shows already this year. And I feel like what a gift, Joyce. Dr. Joyce, welcome. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. Yeah. And so what I was just referring to is I didn't even realize you and I had this show that we postponed a bit, but the t timing of it's almost like perfect. It's like, you know, when you do you do this ever, whether it's spring cleaning or you're looking at your family life or it's now we're in the school year, do you ever just take a pause and kind of look at what's going on? I mean, I try to take a pause frequently. It feels like life is sort of against those pauses. But yes, I try to because that's the only way I can find the truth of what I'm living is in those pauses. Right. And I just want to say this is your Friday. So I want to thank you for taking the time. So can you just remind if people are just tuning into us for the first time, I'll tell a little bit of background of who you are and what you do. Yes, I am a board certified psychiatrist who practices in Seymour, Indiana at Schneck Medical Center. Um, I have been a psychiatrist for, gosh, almost 20 years now and have worked in a bunch of different places, but really feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be now. Oh, that's amazing. For this moment. No, I think so. I think when we talk about, you know, mental health, mental wellness, whether you ever need to go see a psychiatrist like Dr. Spurgeon and I, where everyone's talking about, am I happy? Am I at inner peace? You know, we've, this has been all about our immune system. So when I just heard you sort of say, this is where I feel like I should be, I think, can you give like some insight as to how you work with your clients and helping them figure out if they're where they need to be? Well, sometimes I'll do something as simple as, um, you know, let's use anxiety for an example. When people are really, really anxious and their anxiety is just showing up in one place. I mean, it's pretty simple as an outsider to say, you know, maybe your body's telling you that that's not the place for you. Um, now, again, some anxiety is organic disease and we need to treat that. But sometimes it's our body saying, you know, this is a bad situation and I'm telling you danger, danger, danger with your anxiety and we need to get out. And that's probably the simplest um, 
example that I can think of? Well, actually, I love this example because generalized anxiety is one of the most common mental health challenges that our world has, whether you're in the United States or international. And when I just heard you say those words, when we're teaching someone how to take good care of themselves, whether it's mind, body, soul, you have to ask yourself a series of questions and then you like tune into your body. And, you know, you and I, I feel like we can go a little deeper in this show because we've talked about embracing your neuro style that we all process and perceive things in our own unique way. And we're very much a champion of science and being physicians. But I think a lot of mental wellness has to do with the sixth sense of intuition that I know you integrate into your practice. I think that there is some truth to our, it's not as simple as, um, here's a pill and your anxiety is fixed. It's never that simple in treatment. And again, I think there's all these different pieces that fit into the puzzle. And if you don't look at all the pieces, you've really missed an important part of treatment. Well, I love that you just said that because um, when we're trained as Western medicine doctors, there's the biological, psychological, social, and then I've been going deeper with the concept of perception and the unseen energy. So, you know, there's the biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, then sixth sense intuition. And what you just spoke about, I think sometimes if people realize they're possibly going to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, psychiatrist or MDs, some psychologists can prescribe. I think a lot of times it's almost like I want to just do a little myth busting. This is almost like a continuation of our last show or like ready to get help, which I'll put the link in. So I think when people are going to get help, um, they have to realize it's not just a pill. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I'm so honored to have you back because I, I, I kind of got a kiss on the cheek from the universe about the whole reason why I started this was to talk about mental health in new ways. So can you give us an idea if someone comes to see you, how you integrate all those different dimensions into how you help someone? Well, I think the easiest dimension really is the biological. You know, um, you have clear symptoms. I know what to do with those symptoms with medication. Um, you know, that's that's probably the simplest part of what I do. The other part is all the other things that make a person who they are. And the only way you learn that is really to ask questions and to listen. And it's not just listening as, oh, they say they're the third kid of four and all of those things. It's how they say it. It's their body language while they're talking. You know, it's how I feel as they're talking and the things they talk to me about. And it's really sort of looking at this great big picture and listening to the feelings in the room that leads me to where we end up with treatment. And again, most people come in, they want the easy button that here's the pill and that will make it me all better. And it's very rarely that simple. Right. And I like what you just said. It, I like to look at, there's just a lot of different tools in the toolbox. And mm-hmm. I would say I read an article and I know you and I are on the front lines of mental health and you know, just as a world and as a society, the, the 2021 data show that there's been 
such an increase of opiate addiction, suicide completion. So we're doing this show and you and I are living this kind of reality of helping people. You know, I just got off a call 20 minutes ago. I, and I don't know what your day has been like, or if this is your day off, but I feel like that we talk mental health, but then people, if there's a disconnect, even in conversing with one another, even if you're not having major depression or generalized anxiety, I think people don't know how to deep dive and actually check in on one another with reverence. I think that's one of the, almost like the biggest symptoms of society. Like people are so connected on social media, but maybe voice to voice or person to person, they don't know how to say, how are you? And then dig a little deeper to know how they're doing. Well, I think that if you look at how you communicate on social media and, and all of it is sound bites, it's, it's very surface. Um, even if you look at like magazines, you know, you, you read a story and you're like, that's all you're going to tell me? Where's the depth in it? And we've shied away from depth, but depth is where we find connection. And for some of us, it's where we find peace and comfort. And I think that that gets harder to find. Yes. And so when we're talking about this, we're, this is, you know, we're in the autumn season. We know that we did a show on ready to get help. So I'm going to put the link in that because I think if anyone's listening and they're having any sadness, depression, anxiety, substance use, rejection, relationships, I think you and I did a really nice job with that interview. And I, I, I want to kind of hold a bands to that and I'll put a link, but for today, I'm wondering if you, you had, I kind of wouldn't mind talking about the holidays coming up. Here are some ideas and I'm going to let you pick almost like we're on stage and we've got topics. <laughs> we can talk about seasonal effective issues. We can talk about the holidays are coming, what to do for loneliness. We can talk about how to have deeper relationships and connections and we can hit on all of those. Is there anyone that's sort of speaking to you? I, I can go wherever you would like. All three of those are right in my lane. So whatever you would like to cover is fine with me. Okay. Well, let's talk about this time of year. You know, if you have kids, your kids may or may not be well settled in, or it might be the time where you're like your hair, you want to tear your hair out. So October, I find uh, Dr. Joyce is one of the most stressful, intense times of new referrals. Is that something that you can relate to? Yes. Yes. It's everybody is sort of gearing up for the darker season where I live because it's much darker starting now. And it's almost like they're gearing up for the holidays and the referrals are just rolling in. Right. So I feel like the, it's very common in all my years of practice too. I started practicing formally in 2001. So I think you and I are kind of like, and then plus residency. So it's like over mm -hmm. 25 years. I find that this time of year, even in the Southern Cal area, I think one of the myth busters is there's something called seasonal affective disorder. And it affects people, whether you see a psychiatrist or not, there's a certain amount of um, sunlight we need to have. Can you talk a little bit about how you work with some of your patients or some situations to help people get the help and maybe I can do the same? Yes. So for the seasonal effective one, I tell them any day that it's sunny, you need to be outside, um, which again is harder for some than others. 
Um, I also talked to them about the importance of um, diet and exercise because people, again, start eating, you know, more sweets and craziness around Halloween and it just continues through the Christmas season. Um, and exercise is just a great release. I have a fair number of people who use light box therapy um, yes. that, that they have, you know, swear by it. It changes their world. And I think sometimes I tell people simple things like, you know, this will sound crazy, but if you can afford some time away trying to plan a vacation during, you know, the darker months where you're going somewhere where there's light, it's amazing how it gives you something to look forward to. Also, it gives you the, some extra vitamin D punch and um, just uh, can really be transformative in how you view the whole time around that. I love that. So this actually, I feel like it's almost like all interrelated that we're talking about seasonal effective things. And I definitely prescribe um, the light box therapy and it's specifically a 10,000 lux is the prescription. And I Absolutely. find, I find Dr. Joyce um, that I have people where it's kind of an adjunct part. Like we've, I've known them a long enough time and they're what to watch for is maybe your energy it's a little bit lower. It's a little bit more difficult to get out of bed. And even in Southern California, just because there's the nature of less sunlight in general, I was mm -hmm. surprised because I grew up in the Midwest in more of the darker climate and more cold, like where you're practicing. But I find even in Southern California, I have people getting the light boxes and you can do anywhere from five to 30 minutes. I know that some of my college freshmen, when they went to Notre Dame a few, probably like a decade back, they, Notre Dame was pretty progressive, but we're fortunate that a lot of universities have um, wellness centers where you can get this light box therapy if you're in college. They're very economical. I'm going to put a link into the blog post. They're only like $30. So this is a great kind of quantum hack of, you know, giving yourself a little boost. Um, and then let's just talk about the reality, I feel like once people come off of the summer season, it's almost like even if you've had mild anxiety or some depression or family issues, it feels like September is like back to work time, back to school. So we've got the September up until the holidays where I think people are more willing to go into their suffering or they feel the suffering of their stress. Would you agree with this? Yes. So let's talk about maybe giving some tips and tools going into the holidays. Do you want to start and then I'll tag off of you? So I am probably a, the, the talk I have the most during, as we prepare for the holidays is lowering your expectations. If you go in expecting nothing from your family, if you get something, it's great. If you get what they normally give you, you're not completely disappointed. And I, I usually talk about, this will sound horrible, but I'm like, if you think about a Hallmark movie and you think about the person who's filming it and you think sort of them scanning the, you know, the beautiful Christmas scene, they're all, you know, everybody's dressed all nice, sitting by the fire and their presents are like way better wrapped than anything I could ever do. And everybody's smiling and it's lovely. And I say, but you know what happens when the camera pans over to the other side? Those kids are beating the snot out of each other and somebody's broken something and a, you know, present got that <laughs> on and just trying to normalize that nobody lives that life. 
Yeah. And again, when you look on social media, you think everybody's living that life. Nobody lives that life. Yes. So lowering your expectations, I think is fantastic. And I think I want to just echo that. I feel like when you kind of give that envisionment of the Hallmark movie, it's like the fantasy versus the reality. And I think the holidays, not only do we have the weather changes all around the world, and I know there's different places in the world where it's opposite seasons, but in reality, we have these ideas of how we want things to be versus what they are. So I think it's also a time where people might be missing relatives if they've lost relatives. It could be the first season or even 10 years later, you're missing relatives, you're missing tradition. And I think if you go into the holidays, if there's things you can do to honor the people that you might be missing, some people integrate that into their holidays. Some people do like little memorials. I know that um, we just did one of my dear friends um, and I, she calls them, we call them teddy bear runs. And I have friends of all ages. And one of my dear friends is like 79 going on 50. And she just brings love and joy to her friends. And we literally, um, two weekends ago, brought this beautiful mobile that had love and all these like hopeful things to someone that's having pretty like moderate dementia that's living with a caregiver. And so it's mm-hmm. almost like you can bring the spirit of the holidays, the spirit of love. It doesn't matter what religious background. To me, like sometimes this idea that it's like one day of year or two days, I for I don't know about you, but in October, I've already like got my holiday card. It's not about the holidays. I'm actually was thinking that, do I send it even earlier and then put the holidays are every day because I love you? Like I was thinking there's so much pressure that it's this day or this time and I'm okay with tradition, but I think the spirit of love, the spirit of self-care, the spirit of peace for ourselves and others can be all year round. And it, gosh, wouldn't the world be a better place if more people could live like that? Yes. Yes. And also I wanted to say, um, because right now um, I think a lot of people, I don't know if this is happening in your practice with the current economy and people looking at their retirement plans and different industries that they're not like economy proof. You know, there's different industries where people are like, oh, we can cut back on that. I think the other thing too is there's this feeling sometimes of so so much materialism. And one of my friends who's uh, she's just, you know, she's in one of those industries where it's, it's going to be a tighter, tighter year. And so we already are doing like experiential holidays, spending quality time. I think everyone, you should talk to your family and be sensitive because some people have different budgets this year. Um, I think with COVID over the last two and a half years, I think it's gotten so much better now, but we're also kind of just like almost like so excited to see each other. So still looking at what does your holiday look like from a financial standpoint, experience, do you want to spread it out? Some people could celebrate whether it's uh, Christmas or Hanukkah. If you've got such a big family, you could do like a new tradition early December. So it's not all in that couple days. I think that's great advice as well that, you know, we've learned a lot from COVID as far as really how much we value the ability to be together as people and how much that is a gift in and of itself. And for a lot of people, you know, they don't need a lot of material things. 
Um, and so trying to find ways that sort of give purpose. For example, last year I asked for everybody to give me uh, sweatpants and things, clothes for high school kids and donated it to our high school's um, clothing bank because there are kids who can't afford warm clothes in the winter to come to school. And I don't have a great need for anything, but that was such an amazing delivery that I got to give after Christmas that that did way more for my heart than anything anybody could have given me. That's beautiful. So like the gift of giving something to someone else in need. Um, it's really interesting that you said that. I had um, one of my dear friends said that what she wanted for her birthday was my time. She was dealing with some family stuff and she knows that I'm an adult and child psychiatrist and I love to think outside of the box. And she literally wanted some more inner peace. So I just, I don't want to say too much because I want to like, not her inner peace, but how do we have more peace at the home? And I think right. you don't have to be a professional like you and I to hold sacred space for someone. I think it's the power of being a good listening ear, bringing someone a coffee, cheering them up, just spending quality time with someone is the gift. And you actually figure out a way to just elevate and celebrate that. To me, this actually kind of ties into the beginning of this um, interview where we talked about how do you go from sound bites of social media to deeper reverence in all of your connections? Well, and I think lots of people are um, desperate for people to see them and not the them that's on Facebook, but to see them in their heart and some people don't know how to tell you or how to get there, but it comes with time and putting forth the energy to be present with one another. Oh, yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So now we've covered some. Is there anything else we want to say? I, I guess the thing that I would say that's just, you know, you and I know is a given but that there is this mental health crisis in the world. You and I happen to both be psychiatrists and we're also moms. I think if someone is having, having like deeper mental health challenges that to remember you're not alone and to reach out for help, I think this is like maybe switching more. Like we talk, I always talk about crisis stabilization and thrive moments. So let's say someone's listening and they're really still in crisis and they've been afraid to get help. What are some of the things you tell people that maybe you know, or if, if how to like take that first step for getting help? I think that most people do better if they talk to somebody they know, whether it be a good friend, a minister, somebody that they pull into um, their sphere of I'm alone and I'm struggling, if nothing else, just to help them navigate Obviously, 988 is the national suicide line, and they can help people hook into local resources. Um, you know, if it's not as, you know, acute, calling the number on the back of your insurance card lets you know who's in your network and how, you know, they'll help you sort of figure out how to call and make an appointment. So there's lots of ways to do it. But when people are acutely not feeling well, I think having someone to help you figure out the system is probably one of the most important things I could tell them. 
I agree with you. I love that you just said that because I um, work with all ages and I have some college students right now having different levels of crisis. And sometimes, and this can happen at any age, when you're in that moment of acute crisis, it's almost like all the information in the world's coming at you from a stress perspective. And just asking someone else to make a call for you, like for someone in college, I said, oh, did you know there's accommodations? You can contact your student health center. You can, I can write you a doctor's letter that will let all your teachers know that you might need some grace with your assignments. And even just that suggestion can be a huge relief for someone. And I said to them, do you want to conference call your parent in? So not, not to not let them be an adult, but do you need some wraparound support? Cause I find that when people get so stressed before they like engage in help, whether it's depression, anxiety, bipolar, ADHD, sometimes there's this like information overload and it's like, you don't even know where to start. So I think what you just said is reaching out to a friend or a loved one to even help you go to that first appointment, whether it be a psychiatrist, psychologist, or go to that academic support or go to the student health center. If you're in college and raise your hand and say, I need help. Yep. I think that's, Again, it's saying I need help is the first step, and then it's following through on that. So is there any other topic? I think you and I um, talked off call. Is there any other topic that you wanted to bring up today? I think we've covered everything. I think we covered a lot today. I think this is good. I really, I think sometimes, well, first of all, before we do that, how are you doing? How are you doing as a doctor and a mother and how is it for you? And maybe I can share a little bit. Why don't we, why don't we go a little deeper, Dr. Joyce? We're telling other people to do it. <laughs> By the way, um, of course, anything that you feel like talking about, I don't want, I don't, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. <laughs> well, you're fine. Um, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, my oldest just is in his first semester of college and my youngest is keeping me busy, running him around everywhere. And um, you know, it's, it's a time right in the last couple of weeks have been a little bit slower because we've had fall break that sort of given me time to catch my breath and, um, just be appreciative for the life that I have, honestly. Oh, that's lovely. Um, well, I, I am a single mom and my son's stepdad lives overseas so I guess I want to say that I have gratitude that I have set up um, a current framework so I could do all the pickups, the drop-offs. And he also has um, his own unique, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about new ways of talking about mental health is not only because I'm an adult and child psychiatrist, but also because of my son's unique neuro style. Like if you were to meet him, if anyone were to meet him, he's 13, you know, we don't know that there's invisible things people um, suffer with. If you have a learning issue or um, dysgraphia, or if your day is harder, whether you're at work or school, you know, it's, it's not created equally the amount of energy it takes to get through a day. So the reason why I'm sharing this with you is that I found out at his IEP that there's been a lot of progress. And I've been spending all this time, Dr. Joyce, he's been wanting to hang out with me at the pool at night and he runs different social situations by me. And by, by, by any means, I still had tears when I read the report. Cause I, I, I actually am like too, I almost like know too much as a doctor. 
And I'm like, right. What do we need to do to scaffold his education system so that he can thrive? And I think October and November for all the um, moms and dads in my practice are the time where everyone's like 911, my kid's not focusing or 911. So I just want to say, I actually wanted to just do a little bit of a personal share that I have almost like the humility of being a mother and the humility of like almost like being right there on the front lines with your kid. I don't know if that resonates with you in any way. Yes. I mean, I think that you can't do the job we do and not feel things more deeply and worry about things more in so many different levels. But I I mean, I love the word scaffolding because I feel like my job as a parent is to build as much scaffolding around my kids, whether it be in school, in life, in all the ways that they interact with other people, just so that they have something to fall back on. Yeah, absolutely. I think right as we wrap up, I also was just thinking that um, I'm honored. You're the first person I'm interviewing after finding out that news. That So the Dr. Denise show was in the finals out of the 5.7 million pool listener pool specifically for the segment, The Skeptic's Guide to Science and Medicine. So I wanted to just let everyone know that one of the biggest reasons why I started the Dr. Denise show and traveling to India is because when I practice psychiatry, I try to really tune in to the unseen energy and all the dimensions. And Dr. Joyce, I the way I found, the way you and I met each other was through me reading your beautiful post about your dear friend. And I'm going to let you like kind of, so everyone, Dr. Joyce and I met because it was mental health awareness month and she shared a very meaningful, deep, reverent, not soundbite, very something loving about her dear friend. And it really touched my heart. So I just listened to my inner voice, my intuition and said, I want to reach out to Dr. Joyce. So you know, can you just expand that just dawned on me that you and I met on social media and we use social media for a more deeper, reverent way. I mean, I think that for me, that post, I do that. I do some variation of that post every year on the day that my best friend from growing up killed herself um, because I want to remember her, but I also want to remind people that the the act of suicide is just the termination of disease. Um, and I've always believed that. And so I, that is one of the ways that I can get the message out there is to say, look, here I am a psychiatrist, and, but I have felt this pain. And I, I mean, I continue to feel this pain. I mean, actually her birthday is, was earlier this week. And, you know, we've, from the time we were little girls, we spent our birthday together. And so, you know, I think that sometimes getting depth means you have to be willing to reach out with depth. Absolutely. So I just want to say that um, your dear friend who's in the other realm is Jeannie, right? Yes. So I just want, I, I believe that everyone, I'm kind of, you can hear me smiling that when we're not here on earth anymore in the physical form, that there's some sort of energy that still exists. And I kind of really want to thank Jeannie because I feel like 
that day when I was reading your like post and it was so sweet, like, and then also you did an incredible um, honoring of her on the first show we did this year, that this is why I'm doing all this. Like to me, like that the love never dies, our memories don't die. And whether you believe in a higher power or not, that memory of your dear friend and honoring the tradition and thinking about her, that in itself is the gift that those memories like are ones that you cherish forever. Absolutely. So thank you for your time. And also thank you for all that you're doing with patience. Um, and I'm also wishing you, I know that you and I shared offline that sometimes being a psychiatrist is a bit intense. So it sounds like you've been able to unplug a little bit more recently. Yes, but it, now it's the push to Christmas has started. <laughs> I feel the same way. In fact, I was like, I was feeling that today. So I just, I guess it's nice that we're doing this show. So I'm going to, I'm sending you a big smile from Southern Cal to Indiana and wishes of like amazing holiday season and that all your patients get the help they need from you and that you get some rest. And can you let everyone know where they can find you? Yes, you can find me under Schneck. It's S-C-H-N-E-C-K med.org. And just look up the mental health and wellness section. And there I am. Okay, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And remember that you're not alone. There's help out there. Thanks, Dr. Joyce Spurgeon. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.